I've always kind of been like a camaraderie type of person. So like people in my band now can can tell you this. I don't care what background you got. I don't care what walk of life you have. Like musically, we have similar interests in music. And I'm like, let's start this band. You're listening to musician and composer Carrington Clinton, also known as Clint Breeze, whose band Clint Breeze and the Groove released my favorite album of 2020, End Time Overture. Carrington discusses the album and talks about growing up in Indianapolis on this episode of Michael Loves Indy. Hi friends, welcome back to Michael Loves Indy. This episode was a big thrill for me. Got to have a conversation with Carrington Clinton, also known as Clint Breeze, the musician, producer, composer, leader of the band, Clint Breeze and the Groove, who released my favorite album of 2020. It's called End Time Overture. If you haven't heard it, I would say pause this podcast and go listen to it. Go buy it you know, or stream it anywhere. Again, the album's called End Time Overture. If you were from another city, like an East or West Coast city, and you wanted an album, like if I could only pick one album that really captured so much of Indianapolis music, the first place I would point you would be End Time Overture. And a lot of that speaks to the vision of my guest today, Carrington Clinton, because that album combines Indianapolis jazz history. It combines a lot from great funk music tradition that we've had in Indianapolis and, of course, uh, hip-hop and uh, specifically, you know, the last decade plus in Indianapolis has been really, really exciting in terms of Indianapolis's growing hip-hop community. And uh, what I admire so much about Carrington is he's very prolific. He thinks outside of genre. Um, He is a very collaborative person, and so he's constantly working with other artists and just to tell you, you know, 2020 was such a tough year, but in 2020, uh, Carrington had one of his most productive years. He put out this amazing album, End Time Overture, with his band. Again, Clint Breeze and the Groove is kind of a super group made up of Indianapolis young jazz musicians, all of whom lead their own groups. Um, so he put out the album End Time Overture. He put out two LPs, which you can buy online also and and find on streaming services, uh, solo LPs, We Good, and then a Christmas LP called I'll Be at the Crib, both excellent. He's just an incredibly generous person, and I really wanted to get into kind of his background and his life because for someone who just turned 30, he's accomplished so much, and I'm just incredibly proud of this music. I'm incredibly proud of his last album, and we'll play it for anybody who's interested. So I think you could hear uh, how much I enjoyed having this conversation. It's an opportunity to get to know Carrington Clinton, a.k.a. Clint Breeze, a little bit better. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. I'm Carrington Clinton. Uh, my pseudonym name or uh, nim, actually, I said it right the first time, is Clint Breeze. Um, but who I am in a nutshell is uh, someone who grew up uh, faithful, like from a faithful family and uh, church background, 
who also like was exposed to arts and music. Um, very much a normal kid, but very much a very artistic and like thinking, like thinker, uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, like I said, I grew up in church, but went to Lawrence North High School. And so I was involved in band heavily there. I did some club sports as well. Um, and so I feel like I kind of had like a semi-normal, like, um, urban, like, upbringing. Um, but also at the same time, like, a part of what shaped me is, like, the music that um, came in and out of my life, which was music from church or music that my parents, in, in particular, my dad and my grandmother and uh, my dad's brothers would introduce me to. And that was more on the funk, R&B, jazz tip. Yeah. And so gospel was, in church was like, that's my DNA. Because like, I mean, it's crazy to think about first probably 15 years of my life, I probably spent 80, 75% of my time at church. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, well, I don't know. That's probably a stretch, but because, you know, you go to sleep at home, you wake up at home, you know, you go to school too. But but there was a lot of time I spent at church growing up. And like that shaped, you know, like not just like um, kind of like how I looked at life, you know, because there's yeah. kind of a culture there too, like religion and all that stuff aside. I'm not even, even trying to talk about religion or spirituality. There's a whole culture inside of church that like, I kind of like adapt to and which shaped who I am. And then, which I'm more so talking about that on like music is so, it's so ingrained in music. So like a lot of things that I look at, I look at from a musical standpoint. I mean, like music's kind of the center of my life. So yeah. And, yeah. and, and Carrington, was it, um, cause I know you play multiple instruments, obviously drums, uh, mm -hmm. key, keys, you know, mm -hmm. you, you know, you know, sequencers and, and yeah. all these kinds of things. So in terms of uh, proficiency on an instrument, was there was there one that came first? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, drums is I mean, that's night and day. And that's who I am because my dad's a drummer and my earliest remember, like literally some of my earliest photogenic memories in, that I, is me holding drumsticks. Nice. I had. In my first house, I had these blue plastic drumsticks. Um, they were like these like kid toy drumsticks, but I, I remember always having them in my hands, like at my first house on 57th Street, like off of Grandview. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, but like growing up, it was it was always drums. Um, but so we we didn't always have a drum set. Like I had a drum set like a kid drum set and then um like i mean i outgrew that or whatever my brother came along and we didn't have a we didn't have like a big boy drum set for like several years but in that phase that was probably where my creative like uh spark developed because that's when i started like uh beating and playing on books and things yeah. like that like textbooks, pots and pans. Yeah. And like on side note too, at this house, we didn't have a basketball court for the longest time. 
Okay. And so, like, I so if, if it wasn't music, like drums and like music, it, I did enjoy basketball and football, but my, mainly basketball. And we've also played baseball too. Yeah. But uh, we had this garage where I would shoot, I would shoot the basketball on the roof, imagining like I had this spot in my mind on the roof that was the goal, and like I would always just shoot the ball on the roof, like, and then like. I, I could tell, like, looking back, it probably, like, said something to my parents because they were like, what is he doing just throwing this ball on the roof? Eventually, we got in court. Uh, but, yeah, like, that was around the time that we got a, a drum set as well. And, like, so for the longest time, it was, like, imagining things, whether it been, like, drums where I was beating on books yeah. or it been basketball where I was shooting a, a ball on the roof with no basket or no goal. Oh, wow. I think like my creative spark developed when I didn't have all the things around me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so, pl- and then I'm imagining, um, we said playing in church, you're playing in a church, uh, like, like worship band, uh, yeah. that, that is that right. And so was this, and I know, um, within gospel music, there's a range of influences. There's more, uh, traditional gospel. There's more contemporary mm-hmm. gospel. Was this mm-hmm. where, where, where was this in terms of, um, like the, the, the band that you played in and the, the music in church you were exposed to? Yeah, so more so on the music in church I was exposed to because for the longest time, I I mean, I played I played a couple times as like a little kid because like my dad was a drummer in the church and, like, yep. and part of that was like there was a kid's choir that I got the opportunity to play in too. But like it was actually kind of embarrassing. This is not a good drummer story, but it's still kind of funny. And like I was, my nerves must have been really bad that day. But uh, I remember like sitting down on the kit and the crowd director looking at me and like to start the song. And I just, my parents still laugh about this because they can kind of retell it better than me. But like I, when the song started, I just took off. <laughs> like me, like I just was in my own world. I was so nervous. I just played my own song, and then it kind of like butchered the whole. <laughs> like the choir <laughs> had to stop, and everything was like, "Okay, what's going on here?" Yeah. But I'm like four or five, you know. So if anything, people are probably like, "This is funny" or whatever. Yeah. But uh, that was like my first and most memorable experience playing drums in front of people. And then, so, ironically enough, I didn't play very much in church until I got into my teens when we actually moved to another church. Like, so, backstory here, my first church was, like, actually, the first two churches I was at are kind of like Indianapolis staple churches. Like, one is Christ Church Apostolic. That's the one I grew up in first, like, born in. Uh, Fun fact, um, Two uh, pivotal members of the church, one being Craig Tyson, son of uh, James Tyson, who was a pastor, and uh, Dr. Leonard Scott. Uh, he was also like, uh, you know, minister on board as well and a pivotal member of the church. They started Ty Scott Records. They combined their, their names. And Ty Scott Records is home or was home to John P. Key. Oh, yeah. And John P. Key, like, release some of his biggest records through Ty Scott. Yeah. And, and and so like this, like from a musical standpoint, this church was kind of like popping back in the eighties and nineties. And so 
from an observer standpoint, like as a kid, I was just always trying to soak everything up, you know, going back to the sponge reference, like I, I didn't really get the opportunity to play like that as a kid, but like we always had what, what we call uh, watch night service and watch night was uh, watch night in the, uh, was basically New Year's Eve watching for New Year's. Oh, wow. And, and so I, they called it watch night basically because like, you know, the whole religion thing is like, you never know when God's going to come back. Yeah. It's so like, you know, so it, it was like a, more of that. And so they would have service starting at nine and go to about 1230 uh, into New Year's. But after the night watch night service, it would always be a killing concert. All the best choirs, the best bands from all over the city, sometimes outside of Indianapolis, would come to Christ Church. Christ Church will host a lot of really awesome, like, New Year's concerts at, like, yeah. 1 o'clock in the morning. And me and my brother would be little kids, like, halfway asleep, but still there because my parents were involved in the church. But that's, like, I would look forward to that. Like, I didn't like watch night service, but the concert after... I would stay up wow. because all the most killing musicians would be there. And some of my cousins were in some of these bands. Some of the, some of the people I want to shout out just because like for the sake of the podcast, like I want to shout out Justin Tyson, who Craig's Tyson's son, um, he's gone on to record and you're, you're going to get a load of this, Michael. He, um, before pandemic, he was touring with Herbie Hancock. Wow. Um, and uh, he's currently in a band with Robert Glasper, Christian Scott. The band's called R Plus R Equals Now. It's got Robert oh, Glasper. I love that album. Okay. That's, he's in that yeah. group. Are he, yeah. Now they've done two. They have two now. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So yeah, right. Any, oh, Terrace Martin, Robert Glasper. Oh, my gosh. Okay. The drummer is Indianapolis. That's Indianapolis all over that record. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. And so, like. He, he was one of the drummers. Sleepy will tell you this because Sleepy was in this circuit. Oh. Um, of, Sleepy used to play for Christ Temple. Uh, he came from Kokomo, but he used to play for Christ Temple. Yep. Um, I mean, the list goes on. There's there's yep. a gospel group by the name of Judah Band led by Randy Weston. Yep. Uh, he used to play drums and organ and bass. Uh, my cousins, Bo and Quentin Elliott. I mean, but anyway... I, I want to keep it short. So, like, so I looked it up. They, I, and I looked it up. I had heard of Ty Scott Records, but I, you're helping me appreciate so much more about Indianapolis. I didn't know. Um, it is now the longest running black owned gospel recording label in the United States. Yeah, man. Yeah. They, they are still going too. Yep. Wow. Okay. That is amazing. Yeah. So I'm imagining, and I, I know I interrupted, I'm sorry. I'm imagining you then as a kid, you're seeing all these um, gospel artists and musicians. You're describing some from Indianapolis, some from outside, and then mm -hmm. you're seeing them in church, but then you can hear them on a recording. Is that? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And, and okay. it's crazy because it's like, it's more has been, it, it more has been retrospective because like I wasn't aware of that at the age. And like, you know, Justin is an example of someone who he's only a few years older than me. But like within the last five years has like done some legendary stuff. But we like grew up together at the same church. Like and and it's kind of crazy to see that like 
that whole culture of church music kind of like bred like at the very least some like talented musicians and yes. like people who are like doing things you know and like when i say the list goes on there are people currently now kind of and i hadn't i hadn't mentioned the second church that i went through which uh that that uh mountain zion which there's a drummer now there by the name of Lacey, who i'm going to shout out He's only like 19 and he's taking over like in the gospel circuit. It's crazy. Wow. Like, yeah. It, so it's just crazy to see how like it doesn't really get talked about on a national level, but there there's a lot of connections. I mean, I'm just merely talking about church. We yes. can go. We, we can we can talk hours about the jazz connections. Oh we can gosh. talk hours about the funk connections like. I mean, Indianapolis, and that's kind of like how I move about as a musician here is that yeah. I, I, I'm proud to be a musician doing stuff here. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's there's a and I want and I won't I will ask you to talk about this more too uh, before we go, because there is um, there's a lot of unheralded music that's of Indianapolis that a lot of people, let's be honest, a lot of people in like the majority white mainstream wouldn't know about. And it's jazz and it's funk and it's gospel. And again, I looked up Ty Scott records, which I had heard of. I didn't realize it was as big as it was. And then you've got these other offshoot labels that are still mm -hmm. here in Indianapolis. So this yeah. is fascinating. So, so you, so, so like you're, you're came from a musical family, but then as you're growing up, you're seeing through a lot of people you're meeting through church. I, mm -hmm. what I'm imagining you, you're seeing these people who then, they have careers in music. So somebody's mo yeah. cause my, that was one of my questions is, you know, was there somebody who modeled the behavior or like planted the idea in your mind that, yeah, this is something that I, I could, I can be an artist and that's going to be my full-time thing. Well, that's funny because as a kid, I just marvelized it. I didn't know if that's what I really wanted to do because okay. like, to be honest with you as a kid, even throughout high school, I would could just I would consider myself like just like an abstract mind, a thinker, like a thespian sort of so to speak, where like I could just do a lot of different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and or at least that's what I wanted to do. Like yeah. I wanted to put my mind to a bunch of different things. But I didn't know I wasn't set on being a full time musician as, until I got older. Okay. Like I always kept music close to me. Because, like, coming out of high school, I wanted to direct movies. I wanted to be the next Spike Lee. Like, wow. I, I, I was a big Spike Lee fan. Like, I liked all the movies that he did. Like, uh, from his first feature, She's Gotta Have It, to, you know, Malcolm X, to Do the Right Thing, to yep. all those, like, there were big influences cinema cinematically. Uh, Tarantino, to a degree, I mean... I'm not the biggest fan of him lately, but, uh, same, you know, but still some of those are examples of like, I, I had other interests. Like it was for me, it was, it was visual stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I never really tapped into this all the way, but my parents used to joke about this too, but I'm starting to realize, like, I realized it later in college because I took my first acting class. Well, actually I did a theater class in high school, but I, I did my first like acting class senior year. I waited till senior year to do an acting class. But like 
I'm kind of a goofball and like I I kind of wanted to be in that too like but music I always came back to music because that was the one thing that like I didn't have to think too hard to do or execute like for me movies like I had these ideas but like I don't know what it was about maybe it was like the resources I had or like the uh, the drive maybe like a drive but I feel like trying to make movies like came a little harder like trying to act came a little harder but music always came so natural so like I was always in a band I was yep. always in like I was always doing releasing some solo project you know so like yep. it was it was until like later when I was like about ready to finish college where I was like I know I got this about ready to get this degree in video production but I actually want to be a musician because wow. like that, that's the part that I feel like is makes the most sense. So, and, and yeah. so um, when, when do you think, when do you think you, was there an official event where you made that decision or did it just kind of happen? Uh, well, I feel like maybe if there was like one event that kind of like tiptoed everything else or like a snowball effect, everything else, it was, when like the first significant job that I got out of college was the uh, drum sales associate at guitar singer. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so hey. I was like, that was cool at the yeah. time, but like, you know, we're all taught, like I got a BA in video production and creative writing. We're taught when you finish college, you're, you got to go chase that job. Yeah. And, and like, I couldn't find a job for like three or four months, but the first job I got was a sales associate at drum uh, guitar center. Yeah. And that kind of really, that was like, all right, uh, I'm about to be around drums all the time again. And that like, that was the moment where I kind of felt like a kid again. I started buying more drums all the time. I started buying more sticks. I started going out to jam sessions because like I knew I wanted to play, but I didn't know how to get involved in the scene. So I met people like Sean France, uh, Sleepy Floyd, Max Allen. I started going to Mousetrap, met Jerry Thompson out the uh, Chatterbox, started going to see him premium blend every Sunday, you know, around 2014, 2013, yep. really, 2014. And then next thing you know, I'm sitting in at all these, you know, open sessions. Then I'm getting called when these guys can't make it. And then I'm like, well, why don't I start my own band? Yeah. I mean, see, and you're describing, that's so cool. Cause you're describing like when I was 22, 23, right out of college working an yeah. office job, yeah. I would think, how do you get a job? How do you get a job at guitar center? You know what I mean? How do you get a job at these places? Cause one thing it, it it's really, sorry, it, this is great. Cause it's filling in the gaps for me. So, so, Okay. So you're describing you're somebody who's got these really, really broad um, creative interests. And then like not only are you growing this huge network, but th this this makes sense because you're somebody that I mean, let's be honest. There are a lot of great jazz drummers and but who don't know how to use samplers and sequencers and you know, sure. and, and you clearly know how to do it. And then there are a lot of people who are amazing with um uh uh you know ableton or logic right. or whatever and sampling but they don't they can't play at your level and right. so and so is it is it fair to say that this experience you know working at guitar center and things like that are you 
is it is it forcing you to learn about uh, newer gear and and newer well, techniques? Well, I first it was man, it was actually being involved in the video stuff that got me into producing music, like the wow. electric, because this is what this. So like, if there's a moment that sparked me on the production tip, it was literally my video product. It was literally my video class junior. Uh, so at Ellen and Lawrence North, we had this class. Uh, well, we had this program called cat's eye. It was, but like, I like to think, are you a North Central uh, grad, right? I, I'm from a very small town in Southern Illinois. So I, but I, I've been here about 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Word. Um, for some reason, I figured you were tied to all those North Central grads that I know, like Jared, Sean and Bowden, Nick Tucker, uh, the list. There's a lot of North Central and there's a lot of broad ripple people that are like all artists. Yep. But, but anyway, um, I went to Lawrence North and, I think one thing that we did big there was like the TV program. Uh, we always had like a morning television program. We try to like, uh, we tried to anchor it off of like, you know, like morning news. So we had like a Slater. We had like a, I forgot all the terms at this point, but we had people running their spots and stuff. We had anchors and all that. It was pretty cool. But like, I was one of the editors. I was one of the main editors. Right. But whenever I didn't have stuff to do, I started like just piquing my interest in GarageBand because we use app, we use a uh, Macintosh computers. We like use towers and stuff. And they all came, they all came uh, stocked with GarageBand. And so I like got hit to that. I don't know how, like, cause it was a music per a production program. And then so I started making beats on my downtime in Cat's Eye sophomore year of high school. Then junior year, I got a little bit better at it. Then senior year, I got a little bit better at it. When I went to college, I got my, my own laptop. And then I was just like, I took off from there. I started making, I, in college, I had this silly production moniker named Care Bear because my name's Carrington. And one of my nicknames was Care Bear. Like, it was given to me. That was not a choice. Like, I did not choose that yeah. nickname. It was a given nickname. It's still funny, whatever. But uh, so I was like, I, I made uh, a bunch of little electronic projects under that name. And that's what I did all throughout college. And so I was already on that stuff, like, really in high school. And then I kind of just grew and grew the more I was, like, playing in different bands and, like, you know, learned about different DAWs like Logic and stuff like that and how they work. But uh, like all my production stuff was really just like self-taught. Like drumming was a little bit of self-taught, but like there's obviously a lot of schooling involved. You know, I did marching band and jazz band and concert band and all those things. And then, you know, you get taught in church. It's a different way of teaching, but you get, you, you have to, you get taught in church by being thrown into the fire, you know what yeah. I mean? So get it. Yeah. And that I experienced the same, I'm not on your level, but as a pianist and uh, organist, just like somebody puts something in your face five minutes before and it's like, Oh, I got to figure it out. And I know for me too, it made yeah. me um, a lot of insecurities and anxieties I had about playing in front of people went away after playing in church. I don't know if that, if you had that experience too. A 100%, 100%. Like, there was a thing, like, 
first couple gigs I had, maybe freshman, sophomore years of high school, in the little garage bands I would be in, like like I said, <laughs> I pretty much always found myself in bands. Like I would start a, uh, I think my first band in high school might have been like sophomore year. I was in, oh man. I could tell you the kind of songs we were covering, man. Like, I just like playing with different people. But the guy, uh, the the main guy in the band, his name was Alex Gervin. He was a singer. He really liked, uh, uh, man. Oh shoot, what is the Matchbox? Matchbox Twenty. Matchbox Twenty. Yeah. Yeah, we we covered Matchbox Twenty, and we also covered. Uh, so like if that paints a picture, we was playing some like acoustic rock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I've been in all kinds right, of yeah. like <laughs> Yeah. But That's yeah, good. like back then I used to be like nervous and stuff. And but then when I started playing in church when I was like 16 and 17, like that kind of went away. So I do I, I do want to get to kind of the when you formed kind of Clint Breeze and this concept, but there's something I wanna I, I do have a question, and that is because like everybody who's friends with you, who works with you and everything like that. I think just, it may be everybody talks about the work ethic, you know, and just the energy, you know, the energy level, obviously you've got, um, I mean, you're very prolific in terms of playing live, putting stuff out regularly. And everybody talks about your, the work ethic. Is that like, I know for me, I didn't find that really drive work ethic because I was kind of a social butterfly bouncing around really until I was in my late 20s. I have to imagine, given that you're young now, that you you found that drive a lot younger. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so one thing I wish I, I would have been more involved in much younger was sports like uh I feel like because of the age gap of me and my brother, that's it is uh, I started sports just a little bit later. So I started sports at like really like 12 or 13 while my brother started sports at like six. Okay. I mean, well, no, that would be like we were five years apart. So I, it would be for me, it would be like 11 or 12 because he, yeah. he definitely started at the age of six and he played longer than I did. But I played, I started sports at this time that I was also very involved in like middle school band and things like that. Like I played like neighborhood backyard sports, but I didn't play organized sports. But to that, I say, I feel like because of things like sports or like me having a brother and like being a family person, like with cousins, I've always kind of been like a camaraderie type of person. So like, out the gate in high school, I was looking for band, trying to start in bands, you know, like no matter. And I've always been in like people in my band now can can tell you this. I've I've always been like, I don't care what background you got. I don't care what walk of life you have. I don't care, you know, what your orientation is, any of that. Like if, if we have an interest in music, that's like where the connection is. And then, you know, we'll. Like, obviously, from there, once you're in your band, you grow into friends, you know? Yeah. And, like, I from high school to college to Clint Breeze in the Groove, like, like I've, I've met people who I saw interest in, like, musically, we have similar interests in music, and I'm like, let's start this band. Yeah. You know? I, so I think that I've channeled that, like, teamwork energy from, like, sports into music. 
that's a great skill to have. Cause I mean, how many, how many super creative personalities and people do we know who are really productive on their own, but really struggle anytime it's a collaboration, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one, I, I, one more question before I ask you about forming this, the Clint breeze kind of alter mm -hmm. ego and concept. It's, it's kind of a loaded question, but it's about genre. And I know that like the whole notion of genre is something that a lot of artists rightfully so will push back against, but it's like, you know, when I'll tell somebody, you know, Hey, Clint breeze in the groove, you know, you get the question of what is it? And it's like, it's jazz, it's hip hop, it's soul. It's, yeah. you know, it's indie it's, it's, and, um, and, and what's interesting. So about your, like, I'm of the age, so I'm 45 hip hop was still considered very much a new music and a new art form. You know I mean? In my lifetime. And yep. what, what's, what's all, what's fascinating to me, particularly about end time overture, which we'll talk about and arrival and others with Clint breeze and the groove is you're like, you're, you're seamlessly bringing these different genres in and out, you know, and kind of blending it all together. And I guess my question is, um, has that, it was, has, was that something that was there since the beginning of your childhood or was it more, or did you go through different phases of your life? I'm just curious. Yeah, that, that's a good question. So both a little, I would say a little bit of both because like, uh, I don't even know when exactly it was, but I, I've always been kind of like a photo. Like I can remember certain like things from like where I was, I guess. Um, and so I remember uh, my family, we were driving down to Edinburgh and my dad was playing like uh, Funkadelic to me. He showed, this was the first time I heard Funkadelic. Wow. Yeah. A parliament, all that stuff. I mean, I guess you call it the same, but because it was what he played to us was like a compilation, I believe. Okay. So, of both. Like a George, yeah, yeah, like a George Clinton compilation. Uh, and I'm pretty positive <laughs> this is the first time I heard this. And I can't remember if it, it I really want to say it was middle school because, yeah, because the way I reacted was like, just like, this is goofy, you know, like I wasn't like trying to hear it like that. You know? yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah. he played it for us. And like, I thought the music was cool, but the lyrics were so goofy. And he was telling us that this is what he listened to when he was in high school. And I remember clowning on him. I remember being like, what? This is what you liked in high school? Because it's the lyric, this is the lyric that you probably, whoever is listening or you will know, I don't know what song it is, but this is the lyric that got me that I was like, I can't believe you listened to this. But it, it's one of those things that at 23 on, I can remember cut my parents' yard you know, listening to this same stuff. But when I was 12, I was like, this is so corny. But the, the lyric is, the hip bones connected to the thigh bone. The thigh bones connected to the uh, leg bone. The leg bones connected to the ankle bone, baby, or something like that. And then, like, I remember my dad reciting the lyrics when the, like that, as it happened in the song yep. and me and my brother were like what is this crap man what is this yep. like what are we listening to <laughs> dr funkenstein that's it dr funkenstein that's yep. it and i'm not and I, i'm not a and i'm not a completist of of parliament but but yeah that's that's great 
Yeah, and then so- hey, did did it did it click too at the time, or did it click later? How much, how much of hip hop, especially the last thirty years, sampled that era? Yeah, yeah, it clicked. Everything clicked. I mean, yeah, uh, at, like really from like I like to compare my musical growth to my like life growth, human growth, and like when like when I started to dive, so backtrack before my next very next comment so like i knew i always loved music because at the time when napster media fire was like really big i tried to i i would dap in uh i would not so much napster but more so media fire i would tap into that but like i didn't want to overindulge into it so the way I got around to it, and you probably done this a little bit too, because I know I'm not the first, but me and Seth Johnson, we would after so we went to Lawrence North. There was a library right next to our school. The Lawrence Library was literally across the yard. And so a lot of times after school, I would go to the library and check out about 30 CDs. Yep. Take them, take the mugs home, rip yep. them all. And then return to CDs like for three days later. Yeah, I'm sure you did the same thing. Yep. Which is crazy. Like at the time, like looking back, I'm like every a lot of people probably did that. But like looking back, or I mean, I'm sorry. At the time, I was like, how I felt so invincible because like you know pirating music was huge, and I was like blatantly going into the library pirating music. Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it was I think it was if you didn't if you did if because uh, I did the same thing. It's like if I didn't sell it, I think that was fair game at the time. But yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was like yeah. if you didn't sell it. Yeah, but yeah, that was my thing, man. In high school, like I, like, I just got every day or not every day, like a like once a week, I'd go to the library and get like a bunch of stuff. So that's when I started. Like, it was album covers for me that yeah. like got into different um forms of music it wasn't even sometimes it was band titles but it was album covers so i started discovering like nine inch nails yep. or like uh uh motley crew or like a bunch of different kind of i really started getting into rock and alternative stuff and but then i was gonna say um wait sorry help me uh, no, I was back. just thinking about genre and kind of how you know, oh, right? You're, you're, you're. Uh, it's very, I'm. It's very hard to pin your music, both your solo projects and Klimperi's in the groove, down to any genre because it's. That, just... And that's what it was, and and I think that's what I was getting at. Yeah. It's like it was high school, like going to the library, listening to anything because I just wanted so. At some point, I probably had like twenty five thousand songs in my iTunes library. Yeah. Like, just like trying to get as much music as I could. Yeah. And like, so it was just about that, like trying to feed, you know, try to feed my brain with as much different kind of forms of music. And that obviously will natural flow into the music I make. And like, so like, Clembreeze and the Groove, like, yes, we are a hip hop band, jazz fusion act. <laughs> You know, but I really like, uh, I think it was Miles Davis first who said, who labeled it social music. 
Yeah. I like that term. Uh, I really like that term because, you know, as artists, we are storytellers of like um, our like our walks of life in society. And so I feel like jazz and hip hop and soul a lot of times often have it in. And I don't want to just limit it to those two because it could is rock, it's country, it's everything. Yeah. You know, but those two, and it's especially as you know, black artists, like I think those those forms of music oftentimes will tell our story. Yeah. And so like socially, so I feel like a better term to label if we're gonna label anything, and the older I'm getting, labeling things is kind of weird. Yeah. Like so like social music could be cool or like good music like simpler labels are probably better totally and and uh so so when when did um when did you create the and i want to be i don't want to use the wrong term but i'll say the the alter ego or the artist name or whatever you would call it clint clint breeze when did you make that decision yeah yeah right so so it was like right after college um so i was making uh electro stuff it wasn't even really hip-hop so much it was like more like electronic just beats and like melodies and stuff and was using garage band slash logic and that was care bear stuff and then so i wanted to change up my sound and so i felt like changing up my sound like come with a new name maybe and I was moving back to Indianapolis too. New people, all kind of stuff. So, like, why not? Yeah. Uh, so, um, this uh, this plaque, this wooden kind of craft thing that my dad made in high school, uh, and I can maybe show you, send you a picture of it. Sure. Uh, but love that. His nickname, I guess, was Cool Breeze, uh, and and so. Um, he made this plaque that says cool breeze on it. And I, and I still keep that. It's actually above my door. And that, uh, when I was like coming up with a name, I was, I, that kind of caught my attention. I was looking at that. And so I was like, how can I play on that? I feel like cool breeze would be like, like that's kind of like a common, not a common nickname, but it's like a term or whatever. You know what I mean? And so, like, I wanted to kind of switch it up, make it, like, a little bit unique, more unique than that. And uh, with my last name being Clinton, I thought, like, Clint Breeze would be a cool moniker for, like, a made-up, like, uh, mystical character, you know? And, like, I haven't gone all in depth as far as, like, which could have been cool if I, like, really had taken the time to take another step deeper i could have made the whole clint breeze thing like a whole character thing like how kind of like how the gorillas are yeah this is side project is captain murphy uh but nah i I really just wanted to come up with a fake name that like actually tied to my real name in a couple of different ways so And yeah. so today, you know, so, and I highly, highly recommend if anybody's listening, if they don't know you, I would, my, my recommendation would be start with end time overture, just cause it's so, it's so new yeah. and it's so amazing. But then also yeah. to check out, they'll find Clint Breeze, your solo releases 
and mm-hmm. is that correct? And then they'll find Clint mm-hmm. Reese and the groove, your group. Yep. So, um, yep. which, which came first or is this all happening about the same time when you got it started? Uh, my solo project came first. I mean, I made probably what maybe three or four albums before the brand even formed. Um, and, and so, yeah, I did my first project was Evolve, and then I did Listen, and then I had my Maisha, and then Nappy Head. But yeah. Nappy Head featured uh, my band. Uh, we had two, two or no, we had like three songs on there where the band was featured. Uh, and the band came about because I had been getting asked to play shows under Clint Breeze, but um, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do like the whole like producer setup DJ thing in part because I didn't have all that equipment. And I don't know if that was like just me copping out or what, but it was mainly because like I wanted to involve drums in it. And so as I started becoming more connected to the different musicians here in the city, I thought, why not start a live band? one thing about your early recordings is you collaborate with a lot of singers and rappers and other people. Yeah. Um, was that, um, is that, is it a kind of thing where it's, it's, it's different every time or are you oftentimes contributing? Are you writing, are you writing entire songs and then people come or, or are these, uh, you know, you write parts and then your, your singers and rappers and others, uh, (laughs) write other parts and how, how, how did that work? Yeah. So, Usually, like majority of the time, I'm writing. I'm completely writing the song, like the the musical aspect of it. Yep. And, and um, well, I guess I should say the like instrumental aspect of it. I don't want to say musical, but and then like whether it be a singer or it be a rapper, you know, they they'll write their own lyrics and like contribute their own vocals. Yeah. Uh, l- lately, I mean, I've been collaborating more in person like a lot of times in the past it would be like sending digital files back and forth but uh, you know but lately i've been able to collaborate more in person so but yeah it's it's generally like um generally i will produce the song like make the actual beat or whatever um beat slash you know track song whatever and then the vocalists will contribute their part. And sometimes I, I sometimes I will collaborate with an instrumentalist. So obviously that um, depending on if I'm like, I've co-produced a little bit, like, like lately I've been doing that. So there's going to be some produ- uh, production coming out 2021 where it's a lot of co-producing with okay. a team, uh, a production team that I just formed. I'm not going to say much about it, but it's going to be dope. And the artist we're working on is major. They're um, they're Indianapolis, uh, but I believe it's been a long time coming for them to release a project. And this person has a lot of Indianapolis respect and love. You know this person. Uh, they they are very uh, multifaceted and talented, um, and I believe they are a voice. They are a voice. Right. Hint, hint. Yeah. Hint, yeah. Hint. I love it. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm look, I look, I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah. New, new project coming out 2021. Cool. 
Um, but anyway, like for the most part, like collaborating has been collaborating has been pretty fun and um, generally effortless and very creative. So one thing about Clint Breeze and the Groove, and by the way, I'll, I'll stop calling it a super group if you want me to stop calling it a super group. But I think well, but you know, it's like so then you go to form this band, but you're going to all these established jazz artists and, uh, you know, Jared Thompson, premium blend, who I hope to have Jared on here, um, mm-hmm. Nick and Joel Tucker, who, you know, have their own group, um, uh, go, oh, Christopher Pitts. I mean, so you're going out and you're recruiting people who not only have their own bands, but they have their own careers as artists, you know, compositions and things like that. Um, yeah. And was that, um, and, and yet, you know, you see those individuals in Clint Breeze in the groove and it's something completely different. Yeah. Is that, did that, did the group come together, uh, organically or did you know, okay, I want to, I want to recruit this person, this person, this person. Um, it, it was more like handpicked, uh, because like, so for the first core, which is like Chris and Zach came along later, um, and Bruneau, He's pretty much an original member, but at the same time, like, probably the first six. I mean, if we had a Wikipedia page, I would consider him an original member. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But, like, from, like, from Indianapolis local, like, smaller scale, like, globe, like, we actually started our first probably run of shows with uh, Jamar Bauer. We, we. It was like we would switch up MCs, but we had Jamar, our friend Jamar, and then we had Raj Jamal, uh, Raj Mahal, uh, Bobby Young from Native Son did a few shows. Like we actually, like our first few shows, it was like whoever is available because we had like more of a cypher vibe. We would be playing um, my beats, but we created live. Uh, and then so like the rapping didn't really like the lyrics and all that weren't even a thing. Like we, we weren't playing like groove songs, you know what I mean? Like for the first, like really grip of us being a band, to be honest, like probably a year almost. Uh, But Pernell, like he was a part of that mix of MCs that we would use, but he would uh, like, he was like part of our first show. And, you know, we all wanted him to be in the band, but he wasn't, like, available as much. That's kind of was why we would use other MCs. Okay. You know? Got it. But, but then, like, it was probably, like, nine to 12 months in where he was like, all right, I'm more available. Like, let's do it. So, like, yeah, he, we started kind of more hunkering down, like, rehearsing more and stuff. And yeah. so we, we kind of tuned our live show more in. And then after doing that a little bit, we didn't release our first Groove album until 2019, which was uh, Arrival. Arrival, yeah. Uh, And those songs were songs that we had been playing probably a year, almost, at that point. So, like, we were writing songs together, but yeah, we didn't do our first project until 2019. We started in 2016. We did our second project a year later, in time overture a year and a half later in time overture so here's do you still have a few minutes by the way of course yeah. okay great because because um so this is this is a few things i wanted to ask you so it that part of the reason i'm 
you know, borderline fanatical about um, you, about your music and this group is I, I got to see you guys many times, uh, particularly 2018 and 2019. And I feel like maybe the songs were fully formed, but I almost feel like got to see some of them develop. And Purnell, I, again, it caught me by surprise. He's obviously a great rapper, but a very strong singer. And yeah. so somebody's and 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 then the the songs are so melodic. So it's got jazz. It's obviously got a, a you know rhythmic elements. It's got it's got groove. It's very natural. But they've got a you've got a lot of melody in there, both in the vocals and in the the um, you know the the instrumentals. And is that a true collaboration where everybody is is collaborating on on the, the writing the songs or do you, you know or do you bring them something that's 90% done or um how do, how does that work well so i i was going to say that it is definitely a true collaboration however there have been times that i've like written or presented a song that like they kind of embellish yeah maybe not so much 90 but like one song like Julietta, for example. Julietta. Yeah. Well, lady named Kim Buck too. Like these stilettos girl shoe. You can get some too. With anything that you need, you can get it yourself. Cause see, I'm working at this club and we needin' some help. First you get up on the stands, you do a little dance, you shake a little booty and you make a few fans. Don't put it in your pocket, cause you ain't gon' have no pants. Just put all of that money in advance in the middle. Julietta, Julietta. The instrumental without the horns is I wrote that. Like I wrote that song. So like if you take the horns away and take Purnell's vocals away, uh like from the beginning to the end, I wrote that song. Uh but we embellished it so much though. So like Jared and Zach brought the uh uh the horn lines. Yep. And Purnell uh brought the story and then we yep. all brought the energy so like i don't ever want to take credit even if i like 85 percent write a song like i mean credit yeah like technical credit but yeah but like i don't want to be like this is my song I, I i don't really i'm not like that because it's like once we get down into the basement and kind of work things out like then it becomes all of ours yeah and, and like where I, where I may take, like, most credit, I guess, is that most of the time, like, any song you hear on, that we've ever put on record, I've had a lot to do with the structure of it, okay. you know? But, like, everything on End Time or well, all of the full band songs on End Time Overture, everyone's got their hand in the pot, and some okay. more than others. Like, like, Sentimentality is a song that Chris brought to the band.
heavy as I thought. Your legs just limped with history. Have you ever walked for so long you started collecting memories off the side of the road? Have you ever went nowhere so fast that when you got there the door was locked and you ended up trekking back home with a heavy head, healed heart, and talkative spirit? You would kick when I got distracted. I tried crossing the street enough. You would put your way down in the middle of the first lane to convince me to stop. I was pretty much done. But we kind of like rearranged to a degree. Uh, And then, let's see, uh, King Alfred is a song that Jared pretty much had like 90% done. Like he actually had a whole chart. And we basically just put, we just played it and like filled it out, you know? So. Don't deviate from your road, just mediate to your post Been round each other for years, only heard you speak twice That's all you really needed to make a print on my life I figured I'd write, and now you're a song, you'll live forever They don't accept your aunt, make sure that they get this letter of recommendation Get in the haven, a celebration, manifestation of your meditations Blessings awaiting in the ethers, you wrong Yeah, we gon' miss you, but gone So many faces, finding peace at you home And to your family, yo, we keeping them strong The whole community, dog. I think of you and think of unity, dog. I guess it's never too late to come together in the name of You gave your people something we can never be ashamed of Here's to the hope that you bring As we hope and we sing Everybody, give a toast to the king It's never one's personal job, uh, like on the writing process. We all have our different roles. Any song you hear where the horns are playing, those horn lines, if even if it was someone else's ideas first, Jared kind of like made it what it is. You know, if not Zach, you know, like, so, oh yeah, Royalty is a song that Zach brought to the band first that we also kind of rearranged. So really like, from Chris, Jared, Zach, myself, uh, we were all, in, oh, and No New Messages, Pernell wrote that. He wrote oh, wow. that, like, he wrote that from the piano. Like, he started p- teaching himself some chords, and he actually, the conception of that, like, he had been singing this song, like, he had been telling us, like, uh, the company I keep. Yeah, we run deep. My homies only phone me when they lowly and I'm slowly feeling like I'm remote losing hope. Maybe no one is my type. Maybe COVID is the culprit and I'm coping through the fight. New imposed, no codes, a control socialite. Just to think, I used to be a socialite. In the throes of the night, I was gone, I was tight. Now things strange, just like a whole poltergeist. Wild things change with the roll of the dice. Guess I'll take my chance, see where I land. I just phone a friend, see if she'll pick up on the other
we took a whole, like basically a whole like year and a half to like complete and write in time ultra. So I released it in November last year, and then I think man, almost two years because I think our first recording session was like uh beginning of 2019 like yeah it's uh, it's a masterpiece and i know i'm not the only person that's telling you this but it's like it's it's every song stands on its own and i said this for people uh, people have listened to the the first you know 10 episodes or so or first few episodes of the podcast i talk about this in episode five with my friend dave tucker we were going through our favorite music of the year and i presented this and we play a bit from circles the song circles off end time overtures yep. my my favorite album of the year and so and here's what i said and i and is and that is there there have been a lot of great um there's a lot of great music that incorporates jazz and hip-hop i can't believe like robert glasper black radio is you know nine years old now and i know he's done yeah. multiple black radio albums and 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 i was also talking about some 90s stuff but what makes this so different for me is i feel like a lot of these jazz and hip hop um, and other kind of, you know, uh, uh, music that, that pulls from these different genres, a lot of it, they'll lock into a groove and kind of go the same loop over and over and over again, yeah. you know, and yeah. with, with Clint Breeze and the groove, it's, you can, you can see these compositions develop, you know what I mean? Where it's not just, you just going over the same four bar phrase, you know, right. there's, right, there's right. like, there's an orchestral kind of, um, yeah. kind of thing to it and um and it's almost like that's where it, i know the comparisons it's a dangerous game but that's where it almost gets into you know prince and like frank zappa sometimes because there's a lot a lot of different um pieces and wow. movements to the songs you, you know what i, I mean I, man um print like prince like i could like an ounce of us maybe <laughs> but frank zappa and like i'm not comparing prince and frank zappa they're both like, totally different yeah right. yeah like they're both music gods and both amazing yeah but um i'm that's the first i've actually heard of that though like i've never heard anybody compare us to frank zappa well and i'm not i'm not I, i'm not a zappa hardcore fan because i find it difficult to listen to but it's like the you were talking about song structure and yeah it's clear that like you've got yeah. the this i'm i'm just so fascinated by the you know the vocal melody and then here comes maybe a, a horn melody and here's something else that's you know from Christopher Pitts on the piano and you, it, how you really laid them out as these these uh, compositions and yeah and and then if you want to include this on the podcast too like you know I, so far I've I've mentioned how Chris Jared Zach myself and Pernell yeah and then really everybody in this band actually has a song that they have most if not like so nick sunday morning yes uh he was inspired after the death of george floyd uh he was inspired uh to actually seek this melody that he said he had in his head for years uh that sparked from the michael brown pro uh, protest oh wow uh, and so there's this youtube video uh this uh protest there's like i don't know exactly what was going on in this big building in missouri but like these people were like stormed in and like saying this like oh, kind of spiritual chant and da 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 which is a sunday morning 
melody. Uh, Nick was inspired by that, put some chords behind it and a little bit of structure, brought that to our last studio session, our last In Time Overture session, which was May 30th, I think the 31st, it was a Sunday. That was that same Sunday, we, we were driving back to Indy being shut, having a, his first curfew, where they earlier that day was letting out tear gas. Yeah. Um, so, like Jared tells us, he you know Jared often tells his story, like when he's talking about in time overture, um, and this is kind of my first time like putting it on air. But yeah, that really was kind of like a weird, eerie experience, you know, like from Nick for, for presenting us that song that he was in, felt moved by and then to leaving that session to try to make curfew. And yeah. then, and then, so there's also drowning, which is a collaborative effort, but kind of stemmed from Joel's idea, which was a, a cool guitar riff that he did in five, four. And so when you look at this whole album, like I have, th- I have those songs where it's just me on drums and then there's all the songs where everybody's got their hands in the pot. And then there are songs where, like, you pretty much can, like, pinpoint, like, one person, like, sparked the idea. Absolutely. Or, like, like, kind of formed it. So, like, In Time Overture was really a, a, a great collaborative effort. Um, that, yeah. And, and the, t- the time it came out to, I do want to say the lyrical content is, like, I, I'm sure you get a, t- a lot of people ask you about about Karen track eight because it's like, right. I mean, and you know, it's like the way the way you present the lyrics and Purnell often is presenting the lyrics. It's like if I if I if I wrote all the lyrics down on paper and kind of took a step back, I'd be like, whoa, this is some pretty right. <laughs> um, right. This is very this is very direct. It's very unfiltered. And about Karen, I think for a lot of people, you know, for me, I listened to, um, about Karen. I'll play, I'll play a clip here. Um, about Karen. When Karen is afraid, Brett, Larry, Tim, Tom, and the Kessenbergers flip the world upside down to show it who's boss. When Karen is afraid, Playgrounds and parking lots become war zones with targets propped conveniently 150 feet away from Karen's actual vehicle. Plates get recorded. Calls get made all across America when Karen is afraid. Watch your back when Karen is afraid. Watch your hands, your arms, your eyes, your legs, your nose, your whistles. Learn to get lost somewhere you're familiar while freezing every muscle until the cops get here. Shampoo your hair three times a day to get that good ethnic feel for Karen's prematurely sausage fingers. And when she's done, slap a wig on it. This isn't the jungle. Hook your brother up with Karen's sister, Amy. Invite them both to all of the barbecues. Pretend to enjoy their saltless ham so Karen can but I listen to it and like, I get it. It's like, it's the conceit of a lot of, I'll just say it. It's a conceit of a lot of white people to assume. Yeah. I'm an ally. I'm always an ally. You know what I mean? I'm on the right side, but see, I, the first time I heard about Karen, I was like, Oh wow. Karen is like me. But I I think, but I think that's, but cause, cause you're, it's the subtleties in it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like what I hear is, I know, and I know Karen, I'm imagining Karen as a composite for a lot of white people who were, um, you know, uh, discriminating and you get some these, these, uh, these awful incidents of, of white people calling the cops and stuff like that on social media. But I even, sure. I think, but I, th- I, I think this is why I'm saying, I think it's good art, Carrington. 
it's like the lyrics um are very challenging and then they're presented in such a way where they also kind of sneak up on you you know what i mean yeah yeah i agree um and that's probably one of the more pivotal songs in my opinion like on the album because so the way that came about was i wanted to i wanted to kind of play around musically with uh, our root of being jazz musician and me, like me and Nick, like, well, uh, you had mentioned earlier about how this album's kind of like, like uh, from a composition standpoint, has all kind of different directions. Yes. Which, when we had a, as we were kind of like compiling these songs, it probably started, it probably stemmed to be honest, because I think we wanted to really do another EP. Like, we had done Arrival, and then we had wanted to do, like, our first about four songs, I think, were, like, W9, Sentimentality. Uh, man. C D- well, it's not C-Dilla, it's W9. W9, Sentimentality. Uh... It was probably like four songs, right? Yep. So a lot of these songs on this album were written as we were making the album. And I, I wanted to set the tone with the guys and was like, I want this album to be very thematic. Uh, I want it to be, I like when albums kind of take, like you can look at, you can listen to an album from a movie movies perspective, I, I wanted to feel very soundtracky. I wanted to feel very like, um, like I, I you already used the word thematic, yeah, but kind of like take adventures, right? Yep. And so maybe this is it didn't turn out how I originally thought because you know we actually wanted more elements. Uh, if we had more time or just maybe more money, to be honest. There probably would have been strings on the album and there probably would have been additional players. I, I think, I tell you what, I think, I mean, the first, I know the comparisons, but the first time I heard it and I called you and you were kind enough to take the call um, in December, it, it was like to pimp a butterfly or an album like that. You know what I mean? Cause oh, I was just so, cause it was just like all this 2020 and everything was so fresh. Um, you know, the um, I mean the election, uh the you know police action shootings during the year and everything like that and it's and i think i think what you've done is really incredible the other thing is too if people ask me if somebody who had no knowledge of indianapolis said what's indianapolis music like the first place i would point them is it would be this album because you've got yeah absolutely because it's you've got so much you know it's you're calling back you know to to um you know the height of indiana avenue you're capturing a lot of the you know, current, the energy of the current hip hop community. And um, yeah, there's no, so I, I really, I really do think it holds together and I've, I've kept you longer than I, than I wanted to, but I did, I do have a couple more questions if you have a few more yeah. minutes about it. No problem, so, man. so, and that is, and that is to, to pull off like a rival and then end time overture. So 2019 and 2020, and these are albums that are jam packed with ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I really do think hold together. Um, you you have said to me previously that um, uh, the COVID and even though the 
everything it brought, you know, people suffering horribly in the last year. And I don't want to minimize that. And artists have suffered. But you've also said there have been some silver linings of COVID and, and, and going through this whole experience yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, for you creatively. And, and I didn't want to miss that because you were basically saying, hey, it, it, it's, been, it's been very hard, but it hasn't been all bad. Is that, right. is that accurate? A hundred percent. I mean, and rightfully so, I appreciate that we spent a lot of time, you know, talking about this uh, album, uh, End Time Overture with my band Clint Breeze and the Groove, like, because I think that was definitely a big major highlight of 2020 that kind of, you know, culminated 2020 and, you know, work that we had put in the previous year. Uh, But man, that was just one of the things, you know, like I also did... I was able to do a solo album that like kind of in a way took just as much time like in energy on, but I, I just didn't have to involve like six other band members, you know, it was just all kind of myself. And like that solo album, like I felt pretty good. It's titled We Good. Uh, and then I did another additional Christmas project album. <laughs> that that was kind of like a fun thing but i did it in 10 days but it was still just kind of like it was, it was that was kind of more of a for me all all artists musicians in particular they release their art for themselves whether they want to say it or not because yeah. it's kind of keeps us going right uh but it's a joy to be able to present it to others you know so they can share the experience right yeah like that's how i look at it it's like when if, if i'm a, if i'm releasing a project i'm getting something off my chest that will help me move forward <laughs> you know literally like but at the same time i want other people to uh, absorb from it yeah you know but with that said um my last project of 2020 was called i'll be at the crib and it was just a Christmas project. And that was really just about like, hey, I felt pretty good about my creative year of 2020. Oh, and I didn't even mention, as we talked about Pernell earlier, I produced his, uh, like one of his, I wouldn't say his debut, but it was an like EP, uh, Misfortune, A Fortunate Change, Pernell from Pike. So like I, I produced an album like for another artist. Uh, i put a couple tracks out on a few other people's stuff, in particular my brothers. I did a band album and I did a, two solos projects. Like the pandemic like really blessed me. So, and, and on top of that, like on top of all these album stuff, I, I feel like I grew tremendously as a drummer because I spent a lot more time playing the drums. So like these are like, all this project stuff is literally the stuff I've spent doing like you know mainly producing and like yeah drumming on in time overture but like yeah i spent a lot of time in 2020 like with my drums and that's like if you take it back to the beginning of this podcast we're talking about like is the drums is first for me so yeah yeah well like, and that's and man you know i'm gonna have to ask you to come back and have a, a long a, a longer conversation about this because you know i always feel inspired when i talk to you because at, at least what I see you doing is like just every day, get up, you get to work and you're putting stuff out there without that kind of 
at least overcoming the fear, you know what I mean? And just continuously yeah. putting stuff out there when, you know, there, there's, there's, there are a hundred things happening for, you know, you, a lot of people to get down about right now, including the, yeah. just in Indiana, we're trying to um, move past the, some really bad, um, you know, racial stuff being said in our um, general assembly <laughs> yeah, and things 100%. like that. And it's like, it's like, and, and, and I know, and there's like, and there's like both nationally and locally. And yet, I mean, you, you, you address a lot of those things through your art and through your relationships, which I admire, but also it's just like, you just keep at it. And I guess my question is, you know, before we go um, for selfishly for myself, but also for other people, you know, what's, what's the key for you that just gets you up and working every day? Man. Uh, I feel like, uh, man, the key for that, I, I just, I simply put, I think I'm, it's is what I'm supposed to do, you know? And like, when you don't do those things, you you deteriorate from mind, body, soul, and spirit. So like, you know, you got to keep moving. You, you got to stay busy. Like, you know, uh, like an absent mind is a devil's playground or, you know, you don't want to just sit around and be idle, you know? Like, so I just learned that like music, something I really enjoy to do. And when you put a lot of time and energy towards it productively, like it can do a lot of things. It can generate like one, obviously income, but it can generate joy and like, and it can generate opportunities like in it, it, you know, connections, like, and so, like, that's just one thing, I mean, like, uh, teaching, too, it's, like, as I'm getting, like, the more time I spend teaching, like, understand, like, the value in showing up, and, like, the value in, like, impacting, like, a young person's life, like, and, like, yes, I teach music, but, like, sometimes I'm, like, filling in for a teacher who might be out sick or whatever. Yeah. And so I'll play like homeschool teacher role. I mean, not homeschool, home classroom teacher role, where it's like, I'm not the music teacher that day. I'm their teacher that day. And it's like, it just being aware and like, and mindful. My, mindful is just a word that I kind of pride myself on lately. It's just being aware and mindful of like my impact in the world. And like, I know I'm good at music and I know it impacts others. I know I'm also good at like connecting to others and like using my wisdom and experience, even at the age of 30, you know, to uh, impact others' lives. So like musically, educationally, whether or whether it be just like me as a person, like whether it be through laughs or just quality time, you know? Yeah. And, and that's and, what keeps me up every day. That's what yeah. keeps me up every day, man. And if I, so if, you know, if I met you on the street for the first time or, or, or if I, you know, if a young person met you on the street for the first time was like, Hey, there's so much, it seems like there's so much to get down about right now. You know, we have, we, we're not out of the pandemic. Um, there's all these societal, societal divisions, racial divisions, racism, even, you know, but, um, and all this stuff, you know, how, like, what would you say to that person in terms of how you just, you well, I, I would say this to anybody. So 
we all have our days. We all have good and bad. And we all go through, you know, the tremors of life, you know. And so with that being said, like, you can't expect anybody to be perfect. But on on a first impression, on a first meet, you want to impact somebody to let them know that, like, this is what I can be, at least. You know what I mean? And th- and this is what I'm capable of. So, like, I always try to just be, like, if, if you, like, to answer your, like, to, to be very specific, like, if you just had met me on the street or you're going to meet someone that's, like, that that's going to try to, like, speak life into you because that's, you know, I feel like that's just, like, how people should be, like, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I just, I just encountered someone like at the gas station, the clerk at the gas station had said, uh, he had said something that like, and I won't even really share like his full statement, but it was just one of them gyms. that was like, what? Like, you know, I didn't ask for that, but he told me, and that's, that's one of them like food for thought things that like, Hey, humans are on this earth to make those kind of connections you can't just go about life like not thinking about other people, like not thinking about making those kind of connections because like you can meet someone one time and if it's a bad experience that can imp- impact their day or impact, you know, the rest of potentially how they go about life, you know? So it's like, be kind, be a good person, you know? I'm, I might not even be at answering your question. My oh bad. man, no. I, I, I just, you do. And I mean, I think that that says, that says a lot about how you're attentive to these things as an artist and, you know, um, Carrington, I just, uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm way over time with what I promised you. And I just, I, I, I just want to thank you. You know, um, Michael Kaufman, Michael Kaufman told me three years ago, he's like, you know, you'd really like, um, uh, Carrington Clinton, AKA Clint, Clint breeze. and, And you'd really like his music. And, uh, which I, which I appreciate him doing. And I just feel like you've given me and so many other people um, joy and also just um, relationships in a music that is honoring so much of what's, what I believe is uniquely Indianapolis. And I'm just, in addition to you taking the time, I just want to thank you for the impact that that's had on me. And it's impacting a lot of other people as well. Man. no problem, man. That, that's big coming from you, dude. Because, like, you know, as the people who are listening to you now, like, know how much it, it, uh, you mean to, to to the city. So that's no. that's big ups, Michael. Well, I appreciate th- th- that. Th- thank you. And and um, it's an it's inspiring. Anytime you talk about your music and your art, it's inspiring to myself and to others. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I, I do believe that I, I, I see, I see the music reaching a bigger and bigger national audience as I know it is already, but, um, you know, nothing, nothing would make me, nothing would make me happier. Um, even if it means, even if it takes you away from Indianapolis touring and things like that, um, for, uh, for your music to reach a bigger and bigger national audience. Cause I think it just makes a statement about Indianapolis. So, man, I appreciate that dude. And, and, to that I say, like we're, we're gonna keep it moving, man. And yeah, I think that's important. So yeah, and that's and, and that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going. You know, uh, thankfully I'm I'm blessed to, that that 
multiple people have like given me that similar feedback. So like, that's what really kind of get, keeps me going. Like keep that energy and drive there. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, yeah. I, I appreciate it. And as I, as I, um, as we close out the interview and I look forward to talking again, I'm going to go out with uh, the track Sunday morning, which is the last track on the uh, brilliant LP end time overture by Clint breeze and the groove Carrington. Thanks again. I sure Th appreciate thank it. Thank you, Michael, man. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Yeah. Mm-hmm.